0: or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode
1: in HerSpace.
2: You know, it's really common in a self-defense class to come and say like, oh man, if I had just taken this class like however many years ago, that thing would never have happened to me, right? And that is such like sad self-victim blaming. You know, we want you to forgive yourself because whatever you did in that moment was enough to get you to this moment you are here now,
0: right? And Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're, We're your hosts, hosts, Dr. Dominique
1: Broussard, a college professor and psychologist. And Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Lady, today we have a special guest who's all about empowering women to heal from trauma and take their power back. Linda Liu is the executive director of Impact Bay Area an Oakland nonprofit that has taught self-defense since 1985. Linda holds a master's degree in public health and extensive experience working with policy, advocacy, and fundraising. At Impact, she loves combining her love for nonprofit leadership, helping people empower themselves, and addressing trauma. Linda, we are so happy to have you here. Welcome to Her Space. I'm so
0: excited here. Yay. Yay! We are so happy to have you here. And so we are going to step into our quote of the day, which is, if you don't respect her, you obviously don't deserve her. Considering all of the amazing work that you do, Linda, that quote was really fitting for our conversation today. Yeah, uh, that quote should be attributed to everyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone I, should say that all the time.
1: <laughs> so, Linda, we're just going to start from the top. If you could just tell us what prompted you to begin helping others heal from trauma.
2: Yeah. So, uh, one of my very first jobs uh, was working in a group home with uh, emotionally disturbed. Teenagers, and that really opened my eyes to a lot of the traumatic experiences that these young people have had in their lives. And sort of as I developed my own mindfulness practice and um, began teaching mindfulness practices, it really kind of made me see that people move around the world reacting to um, not so much things that are even happening in the present moment, but you know, we're reacting based on. Our past experiences and our future fears and sort of um, acting out of fear and insecurity sometimes um, and not really being able to respond in the present moment, which also kind of takes away from your ability to enjoy the present moment. So that's why helping people heal from trauma is so important to me.
0: Okay. And so as you say that, like, as I was listening to you, you talked about mindfulness and incorporating being in the present and i know that your degree is in public health and so mindfulness is kind of like a a deviation from a public health a public health background so can you talk about how you got into mindfulness and kind of shifted if there was a shift <laughs> from public health yeah, you know, I think that, uh, well, one, I went to grad school because my
2: GRE scores were going to expire. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but two, you know, I think that public health is a really big umbrella. Um, and you can think of it very narrowly as you know, epidemiology and how diseases spread and changing people's health behaviors. But um, I really think of it as a term that encompasses that individual behavior change and and when you think about just simple things like you know uh, our diet and exercise, people don't make choices often because of, you know, it's not because they don't know that exercise is good for you. It's because it doesn't always feel good. Um, And so kind of like the whole person is really important to, to those public health type behaviors. But I also think that public health has a lot to do with uh, social justice and, The idea that people are at risk for poor health outcomes because they belong to certain groups, they live in certain geographies, and those are also the same populations that tend to not have access to the tools that we can teach um, related to mindfulness and helping yourself um, improve your life. So when I started being a yoga teacher and, and teaching mindfulness, I was working in juvenile hall. Um, with young people of color and trying to just create like a little tiny bit of space where you could get these young people to take a deep breath. And hopefully that leads to, you know, being more calm and having better control over emotions and, you know, making better decisions in the long run, maybe. I don't know.
1: (laughs) And Linda, (laughs) speaking of being more calm, so I met you a couple years ago. Um, Linda has corporate clients as well. And so I remember you coming to my job. They said we were having a women's self-defense class. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, sign me up. Um, so I remember going to the class. It was so great. It was actually, uh, believe it or not, a very calming environment. It was just such a positive space. I felt very empowered. And I recall you talking about some of the uh, self-defense classes that you all had at Impact Bay Area. And so I'm like, oh, I want to sign up. I want to do this. And when I did a bit more research, I was like this is amazing, this is so valuable, and I the for me the monetary investment was just a bit too much at that time, it wasn't in my budget. However, I heard that you were having a Women of Color Basics course, and so Dom and I signed up for that course. Um, We were able to do that through a scholarship, which was so incredible. And I want to talk about why you even created a women of color basic self-defense course, because we benefited so much from that. So we have to tell you how that was so impactful for us, too.
2: Oh yeah, I I definitely benefited from teaching that course a great deal. So um I appreciate that. Um, you know, and I and I think it's the same as the motivation behind having a women's self-defense course, right? There's a social context to violence and the way that we experience violence, the way that we experience trauma um, has everything to do with all of our identities. So you know, having an affinity space where you don't have to constantly explain why this is a problem that you face every day, and you don't have to sort of uh, justify why it's needed, um, just felt really important. Um, Actually, one of the uh, women who was in the class, uh, I met her, probably in my first month of working at Impact and she had just finished taking the women's basics course. And she said to me, I wonder how different this would have been if I hadn't been the only woman of color in the room. Um, And I put that away because I was learning to be an executive director and to run this organization. And um, we finally brought it to fruition because it's true. You know, we live in a culture where women of color are not always lifted up and we're not always Um, valued, we're not always listened to, and our experiences are not always um, seen. And so I felt like it was really important for us to have this space where we could um, feel empowered together, Um, because I think when we're off on our own, there's a lot of stuff in the world that's out there to make us feel less powerful.
0: Yes. And as I, you know, I reflect back on the course, because it's been about six months, and When I think back to being in that space, you are absolutely right that it felt, something felt incredibly safe about being in a place where we're learning about how, we're learning about how to protect ourselves. We were addressing some of our vulnerabilities, but it it felt so safe to be surrounded by women of color who could identify and understand the things that are unique to women of color.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously women of color is such a big term. There's so many different identities that each of us brings to that group. Um, and so we, it's important to honor those differences as well. And to recognize that, you know, the, the things that each of us face are different. Um, but at the end of the day, we also have this really, um, important thing that we do share. And, and I think what was so beautiful about that space for me was that, you know, I didn't And I, as I've talked about this course with people, I I have had to sort of explain why it's important. And I was like, finally, I'm in a room where I don't have to tell people why.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. We get it. And Linda, for those of our, cause, you know, we're going to have listeners that may not have had the chance or opportunity to attend a self-defense class. I think that Impact Bay Area is just a whole different. I mean, I've had a, a concept of what it what it's like to attend a class. But can you just talk about the structure and like some of the unique components? Because it was it was definitely something I didn't expect, but it was super useful the way the sh- the class is structured and other folks that are in the class with us and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that's really important that we talk about at Impact is the idea of the best fight being no fight. And I think when most people think about self-defense, they're like, cool, we're going to come and like hit things. Um, And I think that at Impact, when we think of self-defense, we're thinking of, yeah, if somebody physically attacks you, but also every day when there are people crossing your boundaries, Uh, making inappropriate comments, asking questions that are none of their business, Um, people persistently, you know, touching you or hitting on you, like all of these sort of everyday boundary crossings that happen with um, strangers and with people that are in our lives, like all of that calls for self-defense. It doesn't always call for hitting someone in the face, Um, But just like you need to practice physical skills, we believe it's really important to practice um, those kind of verbal boundary setting skills. And then we do know that there is research suggesting that people are more likely to set verbal boundaries if they um, have some physical skills to back it up. Um, And the way that we teach physical skills is with a person wearing a padded suit. Um, We refer to them as suited instructors and they play characters um, that uh, cross your boundaries and you get to sort of practice under adrenaline um, and full force. So you get to feel the power of your own body because we have so many messages in our in our society telling us, oh, women have no upper body strength. Women aren't strong enough to overpower a big person, you know, but, um, there really are just so many techniques that you can use that can be super effective. And so we give you the opportunity to feel that power in your body and to, to write a different story in your mind about how powerful you are.
1: I love that. And I think one of my favorite, actually, well, everything was my favorite of the class, <laughs> but I'm just gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna share two. One was just owning my voice. Like, I don't remember a time where I had an opportunity to yell or scream and it wasn't looked down upon, right? Because sometimes as a woman, if you say something in a certain way, oh, you're a bitch, right? Or, oh, you're moody or, oh, people say, oh, is it that time of the month and things like that. But us, I think we had a, was it a no circle? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Our no circle where we all just like screamed at the top of our lungs. It definitely felt uncomfortable, I think, in the beginning. But the the more we did it, you know, every class, it was like I felt confident and comfortable. Yeah. I said no. Damn it. OK. You know what I mean? It just felt really good.
0: And I would also add that for me as a therapist, like I find myself like in my profession teaching people about how to set boundaries and. You know, and I thought, okay, well, I have a good grasp on how to do this. And taking that class, like I think when you said that, that that experience of pairing the physical with the verbal enhances the verbal. That resonated with me so much because since taking that class, I find myself like being so much better at setting my own personal boundaries. And 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 like I said, I as a I'm a therapist, and so I'm like I should. My thought was I should know how to do this. I've got this. And six months after the class, I'm like, I mean, you had it, but now you really have it.
1: (laughs) And I want to say the other. This is one of the most I think powerful moments was when at the end of the class we had an opportunity to think back to a traumatic experience that we may have lived through and this is something that my therapist encouraged me to do as well but we had an opportunity to sort of relive that moment but be your savior in that moment so we got to determine how that incident played out right so You know, I I remember situations where I maybe didn't stand up for myself. And so in the class, I would have had an opportunity to let's replay that incident. But now I'm going to stand up for myself. Right. Or let's replay an incident where, you know, I may have been violated as a child and I could then come in and save myself. And I think doing something like that is just so powerful for the psyche, for your being, for your mental health in general.
0: Yeah, I
2: I had an experience many years ago, I was like grabbed and groped by someone on the street. And my takeaway from that, um, the story that I told myself in my head repeatedly, since that happened and until I up until I took an impact class was, well, I guess if something were going to happen to me, I would just freeze like I did in that moment. Um, and I reiterated that story in my mind about how, um, if something were to happen to me, I would be frozen and I would not know how to fight back or do anything. And so I think that, um, there's just like this really powerful thing about getting to rewrite that story. Um, there's like a, a, a pretty old Ted talk that, uh, Chimamanda Achede tells about the danger of a single story. And I think that we often have that single story in our own minds that we perpetuate that like, oh, this thing happened and I didn't do a good job. I wasn't strong in that moment. And so I'm telling and and then I tell myself over and over that because I wasn't strong in that moment, I'm not strong. And I think that giving people the opportunity to sort of rewrite that story um, or introduce an alternate ending can be really powerful.
1: And can we talk a bit about like what happens when someone is like surprised? I definitely resonate with what you're saying. I know a lot of friends and I've even felt that way with myself where something has happened and I look back on it. I'm like, why the fuck didn't you say something or do something? And I beat myself up so much and it's kind of embarrassing and I feel a lot of shame around it. So I, 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 we definitely want to hold space for anyone that has been victimized or, or that may not you know, have responded in the way that they wanted to in that situation, but what actually happens to us in our bodies when we experience shock? Or when something like that happens where someone gropes you and you're like, I always thought I would be the person that, you know, that would say, fuck off, you know, and and beat this person up. But you you didn't do that in the moment. Um, can you talk about what happens for us? Yeah.
2: I mean, as human beings, as mammals, we all experience an adrenaline freeze. People talk all the time about a fight or flight, but it's actually way more complicated than that. Um, most of us have a freeze response. Um, and there are all kinds of other, other responses that people have to uh, startling or frightening experiences. And um, in our classes, we try to utilize the suited instructors playing all kinds of sketchy characters that give you the experience of having that adrenaline freeze and being a little bit startled or frightened and then working your way through that. And one of the really important reasons that we always teach people to use their voice is when you're talking, you're also breathing. Um, And breathing is a really powerful way to help yourself move out of that adrenaline freeze. As humans, we probably can never fully eliminate um, the freeze response, but we can certainly move out of it and still fight.
1: So whether it's you saying something to kind of like say something like, I'm alive, I'm okay, I'm here, whatever you say, just say something to kind of get yourself to breathe in that moment where you may want to hold your breath, right? Exactly.
0: And I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that like when I think back to how we sometimes teach in the in a general psychology class when we teach, and sometimes I think in anatomy classes too, where they teach about like the sympathetic nervous system and they, they often do teach only that fight or flight response. And you are so right that like so many of us experience that freeze. And because that's a piece that's not often talked about, a lot of people experience shame around freezing in those moments. And so can you talk to us a little bit about how you work with people as they're trying to heal from maybe ex- going into that freeze response.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I first want to say, you know, I really appreciate you bringing up the idea that we beat ourselves up about it, because I think one of the really important things that we want people to do is to forgive themselves Yes. Um, because what we say to folks who are sort of like, you know, it's really common in a self-defense class to come and say like, oh man, if I had just taken this class, like however many years ago, that thing would never have happened to me. Right. And that is such like sad self victim blaming, you know, we want you to forgive yourself because whatever you did in that moment was enough to get you to this moment. You're here now. Right. And, and there's no right or wrong. You did what you needed to do in that moment to be here and to be alive right now. So, um, yeah, but I think that, um, you know, if you, if you have that freeze response, congratulations, you're human.
0: I mean, that's real. That's that's real. Sometimes we do have to remind ourselves of that, that we are human and we're flawed. And we're animals. Like that's why we. That's what this is the animal response
2: that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in in class, we try to um, help people practice all kinds of different techniques that they can use. That and, you know, one of the things that we always say is also that self defense is about choices. So not everything that I suggest is going to work for every person. And so we try to present like a big. Uh, A big collection of tools that you can choose from, and if one, you know, grounding technique works really well for you, um, if one way of talking or breathing helps you feel present in the moment and able to respond to what's happening around you, then um, that's great, you know. And in in our classes, when we have um, students practice various scenarios. You always have your whistle instructor, who's like your coach, standing next to you, um, providing you with coaching, with support, or just kind of a presence next to you. Um, because we know we want people to know that they're not alone. Because that is a strategy that um, attackers use. They or harassers, you know, they want you to feel isolated in your victimhood, and they want you to feel like you know nobody, nobody cares, nobody knows that this is happening to you. Um, But we're actually, you know, the other reason we do these classes and in groups is we try to build community because we want folks to know like, we're, we're with you, and you're, we're strong together.
1: That's beautiful. And if we have, let's say a lady's listening and she's like, this is great. I totally resonate with the content, but what practical tips can I use to just feel safer? Right. I think the world we live in is something else today. Um I try not to watch the news too much because my mental health just cannot take it. Okay. So if you were to share maybe like five best practices or just tips that we can use, whether it's self-defense gadgets or if it's like certain moves or statements that we can use to just be safer when we're out and about, what would those be?
2: One primary one really is that I would encourage everyone to listen to their intuition and really tap into your intuition. Um, Particularly as women, we have Most of us have been socialized um, to ignore our own intuition because we are supposed to always be kind and accommodating and sweet. Um, And even when we are feeling unsafe, when we are feeling like somebody is crossing our boundaries, we feel this compulsion, and I feel it, um, to give people the benefit of the doubt to make other people feel safe and comfortable. And we often prioritize that over, over our own safety and comfort. So I think really just being aware of your intuition um, and listening to it and honoring it is really important. I think another really important thing that we've talked about already a lot is using your voice. Most people think that you have to be a skilled martial artist or you have to have lots of training um, in fighting in order to defend yourself against being attacked. But a lot of times you know what people want is to steal your phone or to attack you physically and then get away. So if you're using your voice and you're using it loudly, Um, You're drawing attention that this person doesn't want, and it can be really helpful to scaring them off. Um, It can be really helpful to managing your own adrenaline, um, and it can be really helpful in getting help from people around you. I don't really have any particular recommendations around gadgets or tools. A lot of times we get asked about carrying things, and our classes are designed to use the tools, your, your body, um, that you always have with you. But if you choose to use self-defense tools, we always recommend that people practice, um, practice using them before you're in a situation that's uh, highly adrenalizing or scary so that you're not fumbling, digging through your purse, trying to find um, whatever it is, and then trying to figure out how to use it while somebody is bearing down over you. Also, it's really important to... Try and practice setting boundaries with people in small ways um, because I think it, boundary setting is a muscle that uh, gets stronger as you practice it. So even if it's just like little things and, you know, the holidays are a great time to, to practice <laughs> boundary setting with oh, people yeah. in your life. Um, but it just makes you stronger and more confident in your ability to do that when you're in a more challenging situation.
1: That's a really good point. And Linda, I feel like I learned this one from you, but like don't be afraid to just make yourself like do what you have to do to be comfortable. And I'll give you an example. So sometimes I'll be walking and if I feel like someone's creepy and they're behind me, usually I'm like, oh, let me just keep walking, right? Like you said the first with the first tip. Like I don't wanna look weird. I don't wanna like be dramatic. But now what I do is I will straight up Pause, I'll walk to the side and I'll let the person pass me if I feel uncomfortable. And I used to be really uncomfortable doing that, but now it's like, let me let them get in front of me or let me cross the street or go into a store. So I may take a detour just because something didn't feel right about that person, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And you know, you don't have to like have a bad feeling and immediately you know, become a barbecue Becky and call the police or. Whatever. Oh no, <laughs> right? Because we know that. A lot of times those feelings um, can be complicated, right? There can be your intuition and then there can be things that we've seen in the media or experiences we've had with um, particular people in the past that like influence the stereotypes that we all hold. So, um, you know, we try to be careful about Encouraging people to listen to their intuition, but then practicing some awareness um, of looking around and seeing if the person's actually doing anything that might um, pose a threat. And then, you know, there's all kinds of strategies that you can use, like let the person pass, duck into a store, um, whatever it is. You don't actually have to confront every person that, <laughs> that sets off your intuition bells. I mean, because they would never we would never go to bars or exactly <laughs> public places ever again.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And I think sometimes too, with that, it's about tapping into like for each individual person, figuring out what's the difference between your intuition and those implicit biases or stereotypes that you mentioned, because some oftentimes we get those confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know,
2: it comes up sometimes in our classes. And I just, like, I just, I'm like, you know, y'all have to do your own work around that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Go do your work.
2: Okay.
0: Which is something that I thought was so important about the women of color class that we took was that we were able to have those conversations in a way that I think wouldn't have gone over as well if we had been one of two women Ooh. of color in a class full of women, or if the instructor had been a white woman, you know. And so I think again, I, I guess I can't stop thanking you enough <laughs> for giving us that opportunity to have that space.
2: Well, you know, I feel like it was really important for me um to also be in that space because I cannot speak certainly for all women of color, but I can speak for myself in saying that I don't think that I have, before Impact, I don't think that I felt a sense of entitlement to my own freedom and safety. I don't feel like I felt like I should always be comfortable and safe. Um, And I think that it's easy to feel that way when you are part of a community that's always being robbed of your Bodily a- autonomy. Um, you know, you're you're brought up in a society where it's normalized and okay to be sexually assaulted or sexually harassed on a regular basis. And you know, I think that it's important to me because I know lots of women of color who don't, who have normalized it to the extent that um, you know it feels like we don't we don't bother saying anything about it because it's just what how the world is. Yeah.
0: Mm, That's so sad when you really sit down and like when you really think about it or try to unpack that. And so I think that the work that you're doing at Impact is so, so important because you're providing this opportunity for women to feel safe and comfortable protecting themselves.
1: Now, Linda, we're going to lighten the mood up just a little bit. Or well, actually, a lot of it. A lot of it. <laughs> We're going to lighten up the mood, okay? <laughs> we hope you're ready for this. We hope you're ready, Linda. So just just, just sit back and and take this all in. Now, Linda, because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman and believe that it's okay to be classy and ratchet, you can still be elegant and dance to strip club music, we want to invite you to the oh, OU Clatch it segment. Linda, do you take on the challenge?
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know
1: what I'm agreeing to, but okay. I
0: don't know what this is, but I, okay. <laughs> I appreciate you being down for the cause. <laughs> like, let's do it. <laughs> okay. So question number one, what's the most spontaneous thing you've ever done?
2: Oh gosh.
0: I'm really not a very spontaneous
2: person. Um, I cannot think of a spontaneous thing
1: that I've ever done.
2: Okay, there we go. It cannot possibly
1: be true, but I can't think of one. You'll think of one, like, tomorrow. Oh, let me get back to this. Yes. (laughs) Well, what about number two? What about this one, Linda? What is your biggest pet peeve?
2: Oh, other than the normal, like, white supremacy, racism, blah, blah, blah. Ditto, ditto. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this one, just, I don't know if this is the biggest, but it came up recently. You know, people that clip their nails in public uh, on the plane oh. like on the BART like on the bus like oh. and let that sound the sound oh. of the clipping and I know something is flying somewhere like I can't know
1: Dom is loving this right now <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh <laughs> that's a good one that's a really yeah I, I would agree with that
0: Speaking of cringeworthy things that people do, <laughs> what is the most cringeworthy outfit you've ever worn? I mean, I had a whole
2: phase, like my 21 year old hoochie phase, that was like comprised of stretchy polyester things. I can think of this skirt that I had that was like ankle length, but I had this big slit that went all the way basically up to my underwear. Um, I thought I was so cute. You like that.
0: I feel like that brings back like the late nineties, early two thousands. Like, yeah, I, I, as soon as you started describing it, I was like, I feel like there was something similar to that in my, in my closet somewhere. (laughs) Yep.
1: Yep. (laughs) She's like, that's right. All right. (laughs) What about the next question? What's your biggest guilty pleasure? Oh,
2: So, like, okay, I can't believe I'm going to confess this now. I have this rule where I don't watch movies or television if they don't have people of color as main characters.
0: Oh, I love that.
2: But also, I really like Christmas rom-coms. And most of them star kind of mildly attractive white people falling in love in small towns.
1: So...
0: Um, (laughs) That sounds like a Hallmark channel or Lifetime channel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that. (laughs) We got it first. Exclusive. (laughs) Thank you, Linda.
0: (laughs) Uh, Linda, what is your favorite drink?
2: Oh, this is not going to be a particularly ratchet answer because I have never, I have actually never had alcohol in my life. What? Wow. Um, Okay. So. I don't, it's not going to be exciting ginger beer
0: <laughs> ginger
2: beer ginger beer
0: is good, I like that, and kudos to you for never having alcohol we We live in a society that like promotes alcohol consumption, so kudos to you for setting a boundary
1: <laughs> before I even knew it. Yeah, right. There you go. You were destined for this. Well, We appreciate you. We want to just thank you and honor you for the work that you do, uh, for the impact that you've had on our lives. And we just, we're, we're so grateful for you, your insight and your knowledge. And we'd love for you to just share with our listeners where they can find you on social media or where they can connect with you or attend one of your future classes. Yeah. So give us all the good stuff.
2: Yeah. So, uh, You can find Impact Bay Area at impactbayarea.org. We are on Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter when I remember that we have a Twitter account. But um, we are actually really excited that we are already planning our next Women of Color Basics class. Um, It's probably going to be at the end of February. So look out social media and on our website for information about that. Um, and we're also brewing up um a virtual impact book club um if you enjoy booky things related to uh powerful women and uh women's empowerment um, and uh other awesomeness boundary setting kind of stuff uh also keep an eye out on that, so yeah.
0: I love a good book. So I am going to look forward to this, to this book club. Yay! Thank you
2: for having me. I am going to say something. I'm pretty disappointed that in the Clatchet segment, I did not get to lo- uh, talk about my deep love for Cardi B, but. Um, let's that do, is do a- it right
1: now. <laughs>
0: Come on, let's, let's, let's wrap Tell us this about up
1: this Cardi B. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Cardi B. I just really <laughs> love her. I love it. What do you love about Cardi B?
2: She just says what she wants to say. She yes. uses her voice. And you know, there's a line in one of her songs that's like, uh, pussy's so good, I say my own name during sex. Yes! Yeah. Yes! Right? <laughs> I love it. Come we on. never get to talk about ourselves in that way, right? Yeah. It's like, it's not how women are supposed to talk and be. And, and I love that she's just like that.
1: I love it. On that note, boom, drops mic.
0: Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, Please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider.
1: If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Herspace Podcast, or check out our website at HerspacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me I know that everything is working out for my good, even when things don't go as planned.
0: We'll see you next week, lady.